My name is Anvita, and I'm over the prayer and fasting here. And I want to tell you I'm so excited because it's my first time co-speaking with my younger and much, much taller brother in Christ, Pastor Nate. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're in our second week of the prayer series. And I want to tell you that I have met more people who find prayer challenging than people who are so passionate for it. So if you're listening right now online or if you're in person, you're thinking, you know what, this is not my thing. I want to tell you that you're not alone. But at the same time, I want to encourage you and challenge you to start praying. Because prayer in the Bible is non-negotiable. If we want to be people who live out our full potential to what God has created us to be, if we want to be a church that lives out its full potential to what God has created us to be at this point in history, we have to be a church that prays. And you know, when you look at the Bible, we're not the only ones who have questions about prayer, right? In Luke 11, 1 through 4, even the disciples, the people who walked side by side with Jesus, they asked him, hey, how should we pray? It says in Luke 11, 1 through 4, it says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, and I just want to pause there for a second and just point out something that's interesting. You know, Jesus lived a life of prayer. He knew everything that was to, there was to know about prayer. And at any point, he could have told them, this is how you should pray, but he didn't. He waited for the disciples to ask him. And as I was getting the message ready today, I feel like God put it on my heart to tell someone listening. He said, Jesus has the answer that you're looking for, and he's waiting for you to ask. It says, Jesus has the answer that you're looking for, and he's waiting for you to ask. Jesus went on to say this in the Bible. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins, for we may also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And I love the account in Matthew 6, before he goes into the Lord's Prayer, he says in verse 7, he says, When you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. Jesus says, you know what? You can get to the point. You can be real with him, and you can get to the point. I love that because I am like get to the point kind of person. This is why the only time we've gotten out early in church is when I speak by myself. Not today. <laughs> but... I love that Jesus said, you know what, you can be real, and you can get to the point. We don't have to spend hours and hours trying to get God's attention. God always has our full attention. Always. So what we want to do today is to encourage you, to inspire you, to challenge you to start praying simple prayers. The title of the message today is How to Pray a Simple Prayer. Let's open with a prayer. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in this place. Lord, we want to be people who are just sold out for you. And God, I just pray that you would teach us how to start praying simple prayers in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the theme for this year has been... Um, to know the heart of God, 
to know the heart of God. And at the very core of his heart is that he wants to be known by us. And he wants to have a relationship with us. We see this in Genesis. Jesus is walking side by side with Adam and Eve, and he is loving the one-on-one time until sin enters the world. And then the rest of the story of this story of redemption, of how he was going to send someone so he could restore that relationship. And then Jesus comes and dies for us so we could have a relationship with him again. The prayer has been given to us as a privilege to know God and to develop this relationship with him. So how do we pray when we pray? The first point is this, pray like a child. Pray like a child. When Jesus teaches us how to pray in Matthew 6, 9, he says, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. He says, our Father in heaven. He doesn't say, my Father in heaven. He doesn't tell the disciples, your Father in heaven. He says, our Father in heaven. This means that every single person who believes in Jesus, he has given us a privilege to call him Father. And he's not on earth. He is in heaven. That means he knows things and he has access to things that we don't. And when I think about this, it just kind of blows my mind, really. Because when I think about who God is, you know, the Bible is full of titles for God. He has different names and all these names that describe who he is and his character and what he's like. And there are literally hundreds of them. And what I want to do this morning is remind us who our God is, who this Father is that we talk to. Is that okay this morning? Is that okay this morning? Awesome. The Bible says he is faithful. He is good. He is just. He is glorious. He is gracious. He is generous. He's a God of love and kindness, hope, truth, comfort, peace, compassion, mercy, God of forgiveness. He is the light, the healer, the helper, the protector, the provider, the shepherd, the mighty warrior, the fortress, the refuge, the rock, the shelter, the shield, the strength. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. He's a friend, the deliverer, the defender, the savior, the rescuer, the redeemer. He is the living God. He's the all-knowing God. He's the sovereign God, the Lord our maker. He's the one who sees. He is and he's always everywhere. He's supreme, he's holy, he is powerful, he's immutable, he's the great I am, he's self-existent, self-sufficient, he's the most high God, the everlasting and the eternal God. It says he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And Jesus says above all these things, when you talk to him, he's your daddy. He is your dad. You talk to him because you are a child of God. Before all those things, he is your dad. Isn't that awesome? And with all his majesty and with all his power, I just find it fascinating that he doesn't just force himself on us. He's so polite. He's like, you know what? If you want me involved in your life, I'll wait for you to ask me because I'm not going to come in uninvited. If you want me, I will come. But if you don't, then I won't. And he waits for us to ask him to get involved in our lives. And if I want to be honest with you this morning, I have so many things in my life that I struggle with, but prayer is not one of them. And I was thinking about why do I think prayer is easy? And I was thinking about it, and I realized that I grew up 
in a house that prayed. I prayed. I had grandparents that prayed. I had parents that prayed. We prayed as a family. We prayed for the food. We prayed for sports, school. We prayed for the weather. We got a new car, new appliances. We prayed over that. Somebody got sick. Somebody died. Like, I feel like we're praying all the time. And as I was growing up, I saw that there were so many coincidences. Like when we prayed, like there were things happening. And I think as I grew up, I realized that, you know what, this is just a part of life. Like talking to God about anything and everything is perfectly normal. So I just started praying and having my own conversations. And I want to share some of my simple childlike prayers with you this morning. And I want to do that because if you grew up, maybe not in a church home that prays, Maybe you didn't grow up knowing the Lord. I want to share these stories with you because I want to build your faith today. Because I want to tell you that the same God that is in the Bible that shows up is the same God that shows up for you and me. Because you know what? He doesn't change. Generations come and go. He remains the same. And he's still the God that he said he was in the Bible. The difference is we have to give him the permission to be God in our lives. I went to... um, Southern California for the first time this year, you guys. It's amazing. And I stayed with a friend of a friend. And while I was there, um, <laughs> she's filling me in in all things California. And she's like, Invita, this is crazy. It is the first week of February right now, and the poppies are blooming. They don't usually bloom till like end of March, April. And right when she said that, I heard God say, I remember. And then he took me back when, like decades ago, when I was a teenager, when I saw this photo of these amazing green hills and there were wild poppies everywhere. And I'm like, Jesus, if I ever go to California, I want to see the poppies in bloom. And I looked at Ginny, I'm like, Ginny, those poppies are blooming for me. We have to go see them. And she let me stay with her the whole week still. But there's a photo. And those are the poppies. But I want to say, remind somebody the same thing that God reminded me that day. And what I want to tell you that even when you pray and you don't hear God speak to you, I want to tell you that he hears every word that you say to him. You might not remember the prayers that you have prayed to him, but he remembers every single thing that you have said to him, even decades ago, the things that you might have forgotten. So if there are things in your heart where you've been praying, you're like, God, I don't even know if you hear me. I want to promise you that he hears every single word and he remembers. So I want to encourage you to keep praying. Keep praying for your marriage. Keep praying for your children. Keep praying whatever it is that you are praying for. When I was about eight years old, um, I was in school and I had a really hard time memorizing things. And this one day I was just so fed up. I was like, Jesus, if you can do anything, you can help me memorize this thing in one time. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. Just one time, I want to have it memorized. And I read it, and I had it memorized. And I was like, oh, I think he hears me. Not just my parents. And it was awesome. I think it was the first time I realized that God hears me. I remember when I was a teenager, I went to the eye doctor, and there was this ulcer in my eye. And he's like, oh my gosh, you need emergency eye surgery. I went home, and I was devastated, and I was scared, and all the emotions, and I saw this crazy man on TV, you guys, and he said that Jesus could heal. And I remember getting on my knees. I'm like, Jesus, if you can heal them, you can heal me, so will you heal me? Next day, I went back for my eye surgery, and the doctor's like, this is wild. You had this huge ulcer yesterday, and today, it's completely healed. In fact, there's a scar. I can see you don't need the surgery. And I was like, oh my God, let me tell you about the story. What just happened? This 
crazy thing happened, and he was so polite. He listened to me talk the whole time. But I was so excited. I'm like, Jesus, you healed me. There is no explanation for that. I remember years later when I was pregnant with one of my kids and it was the hardest season of life. And I'm like, God, I don't have anything left in me to give birth to a child. Will you make it easy for me? A couple hours later, we're so thankful we made it to the hospital because that baby was out in one push. He made it easy for me. One year, I was like, Jesus, you know how much I love snow. And for what I really want for my birthday from you is I want it to snow. And do you know that it has snowed? every year on my birthday since that prayer. Even when it wasn't forecasted to snow. Because he cares and he listens and he's amazing. This one year, I, he put it on my heart to do this project. And I needed $10,000. I'm like, God, you know what I really want? What I really want instead of the $10,000 is I really want to somebody to give me their money, like ahead of time, that I could use for this project all throughout the year. That would be awesome. And the next day, this guy came up to me, and I'll call him Brendan, and he's like, hey, so really crazy, I feel like God put it on my heart to give you a credit card with your name on it that's dedicated to this project that you could use throughout the year. It's going to be in the mail. How awesome is that? I remember this one time when I had to stop working unexpectedly, and I said, Jesus, I don't have money saved up for this, but I know that we have always tithed to you. And you promised that you would take care of us. So we don't have a financial plan, but I'm trusting you to take care of us. And do you know that for a full year, we didn't ask a single person for help, but he sent people to help us. And the money that was in that account, the wilder part is our finances had decreased, our bills had almost doubled, and that money never ran out. Like the math still doesn't make sense to this day. And if you want to know if God is real, if you don't tithe, this is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this you will see God show up in your life that doesn't even make sense. I want to tell you one last one. It's a really long story. I'm going to make it short. But one of my kids had cancer, and he was um, a Make-A-Wish child, and he had a wish he could have. And through a series of really unexpected things, his wish kept getting delayed. And by the time it was time to take his wish, he changed his mind. And a year went by. And then I got this email. And they said, Isaiah, your wish has been granted to go to Hawaii. And I remember I just broke down on my knees and I just started bawling. And I said, Isaiah, I want to tell you about a conversation that I had about with Jesus. Nobody else knows about this. But I want to tell you this. So six years ago, I was at the department store in the clearance area and I saw these Hawaiian shirts that were on clearance for $1.99. And I said, Jesus, you know, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I'm going to buy, I'm like, but you know, I don't have the money to go to Hawaii either. Will you make it so we can go to Hawaii for my 15th wedding anniversary? So I bought the shirts in the sizes that my kids would be in six years. And Isaiah, I want to tell you that my 15th wedding anniversary is in April and we are going to Hawaii in June. And I, would, I want to tell you that, you know, God is not some genie in a bottle where if you say the right things in the right way, he shows up. He's not like that. But it's because I have prayed simple, childlike prayers over and over and over again. I have gotten to know him to be a God who is good and kind and faithful and generous in every way. 
And when I have the disappointment and the unanswered prayers and the pain, I have learned to trust him because he's good because of who he is, not because of what he does. It's just who he is. So I want to start encouraging you to start praying your own prayers. Last year I had a chance to meet somebody that I just really, really look up to. And I've followed her for about two decades and that's a fun story for some other time. But as I was waiting to meet her, I started having this small conversation with her friend. And then as I was talking to her, you guys, I quickly realized, you know, knowing so much about someone for two decades is not the same as knowing them personally. And some of us, we've grown up in the church. You've heard like every Bible story there is to know. You've heard about how God showed up in all these different people's lives. And you've heard so much about him where you know so much about him, but you haven't taken the time to get to know him on your own. You haven't had your own conversations with him. And I just want to tell you that knowing about God is not the same as knowing him. Knowing about God is not the same as knowing him. And if we want to know him and learn to trust him, we have to spend time with him and we have to talk to him to build that relationship. When Jesus taught us to pray, he opens with exalting God. He closes with exalting God. But the middle part is all about asking. He said, ask for your daily needs. Ask for forgiveness. It's like ask, ask, ask. God wants us to ask him. Not because he doesn't know already know what we need, but when we ask him, it shows us, teaches us dependence on him. And when he shows up, we know that it was him. And we can learn to trust him. There is um, only, so second point is to be specific. Second point is be specific. Um, there's only one autobiography I have read, and his name is George Mueller. I'm going to have coffee with this man someday in heaven because he lived in the 1800s. <laughs> but phenomenal guy. When he was young, completely wild, he missed, meets Jesus, turns his life around, and he's like, you know what? I love God, and I know that God listens to prayer, and I know he responds to prayer, and he lived this life that was fully dependent on God, and he wanted people to know that the power of prayer and the, how real prayer is, so he starts writing down his prayers, and he prayed all these specific prayers in his lifetime. He trusted God so much to provide for him, to take care of him, he didn't even take a salary. Literally, his next meal, his clothing, his home, everything he asked God for, and God sent it to him. In his lifetime, God told him to start all these like non-for-profits and taking care of orphans, and in his lifetime, he started all these things and took care of over 10,000 orphans. And do you know how much of that he asked people for? He had $100 million in today's currency that went through him. And he asked zero of that from any one person. He took every single need that he had. He took it to God and God showed up. Every single time. He has over 50,000 documented answered prayers in his lifetime. And I love this account of him. And it's by this man. His name is Charles Ingalls. And he says, when I first came to America 31 years ago, I crossed the Atlantic with the captain of a steamer who was one of the most devoted men I ever knew. 
And when we were off banks of Newfoundland, he said to me, Mr. Ingalls, the last time I crossed here, five weeks ago, one of the most extraordinary things happened that has completely revolutionized the whole of my Christian life. Up to that time, I was one of your ordinary Christians. We had a man of God on board, George Mueller of Bristol. I had been on the bridge for 22 hours and never left it. I was startled by someone tapping me on the shoulder. It was George Mueller. Captain, he said to me, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. This was Wednesday. It is impossible, I said. Very well then, if your ship can't take me there, God will find some other means of locomotion to take me there. I would willingly help you, but how can I? I am helpless. Let us go down to the chart room and pray, he said. I looked at this man and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum could this man have come from? I have never heard of such thing. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense the fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. And he went down on his knees and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. And I thought to myself, that would suit a children's class where the children were not more than eight or nine years of age. And the burden of his prayer went something like this. Oh, Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. You know the engagement you made for me in Quebec on Saturday. I believe it is your will. And when he finished, I was going to pray. But he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. First, he said, you do not believe God will do it. And second, I believe that he has done it, and there's no need for you to pray about it. I looked at him, and George Mueller said this to me, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day that I have failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, open the door, and you will find the fog is gone. I got up, and the fog was gone, and on Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec. He lived a life of prayer. And his life is a testimony that it is possible to live a life that is fully dependent on God. And he is involved in every circumstance in our life. Doesn't matter how big or small we think it is. It's all the same to him. And he prayed simple, specific, childlike prayers. And up to this day, he had been a Christian for 57 years. And he had prayed every single day for 57 years. And he had gotten to know the Lord and to trust him for who he is because of the conversations that he had with him. And Pastor Nate is going to come up and he's going to talk to us more about the importance of praying daily. Can we give it up for Pastor Envita? Yeah. You guys know that thing when somebody borrows your car and it's all jacked, the seats are, what's up with that? I need to raise this like about two feet over here. <laughs> if you're taking notes, number three, point number three. So point number one is to pray like a child. Number two, be specific. And then number three is to pray daily. Pray daily. How, how do I pray? A simple prayer. Number three is to pray daily. Uh, any of you guys go to any family reunions this summer? Anybody in here? Show of hands. Nobody or any get together. See anybody you haven't seen in a long time in here? Uh, Aren't those conversations super awkward sometimes? Like you show up to the function and you're like, oh, hey, Doug, uh, 
How's, how's little Johnny doing? How's his uh, baseball team doing this year? T-ball, is that going great? Oh, oh, he's married now. Oh, he has a real job? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, how, how, uh, how's Uncle Bob doing? He's doing great. Oh, he's dead? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, hey, Gracie, how are you doing? Oh, it's just Grace now? I'm sorry about that. That was like 10 years ago. Aren't those conversations just a little bit awkward sometimes when you haven't seen or talked to somebody in a long time? And I think part of why some of us struggle in our prayer life is because we don't pray daily. There's just so, something so powerful about just praying these simple, childlike, specific prayers every single day. And the more you pray daily, the easier it becomes to be able to develop that habit. And that's why Jesus tells them, he says this in Luke 11, verse 3, he says, give us this day our daily bread. That he intended for prayer to be something that we did every single day. And the more we do it, the easier it becomes. Or one way to say it is this, that the more frequent our prayers the more familiar we become with talking to God and the simpler our prayer life gets. I'm going to say that again. The more frequent our prayers, the more familiar we become talking to God and the simpler our prayer life is going to be. And I know that we're doing this whole series on prayer. And last week we talked a lot about prayer and we're giving you a lot of uh, just different tips. How do I pray simply and trying to teach you how to pray, sharing some stories with you about how God has answered all these specific prayers in Pastor Invita's life. I've got a lot of stories I can share with you as well. There are so many different resources out there that you can look up on how to pray that will teach you how to pray. And those are all available to us. So my question is this, why don't more of us pray more often? Why is it? That prayer is such a struggle for so many of us, myself included. And I believe that the reason why prayer is so hard, one of the main reasons why, at least in my life, if I can just be vulnerable and honest with you guys, one of the reasons why prayer is such a struggle in my life is that if I'm being honest with you, I honestly just feel like I don't need God that often. Anybody relate to that? Here's what I mean by that. A couple of years ago, we had all these crazy storms in Indiana, and there was this huge uh, snowstorm that came through. So I'm out there with my shovel, and, you know, one's broken, and I go get a new one. I'm trying to clear my driveway. And so my neighbor, Josh, who lives a couple doors down, is about to leave for work. He's like, dude, I've got a snowblower. So he brings it over because I would not go get it. He brings it over. He's like, use it when you're done with it. Go put it in my garage. Here's the garage code. If it snows again, use it again. Like, you're more than welcome to use mine anytime you want it. And so I reluctantly used the snowblower, cleared my driveway. I felt so bad about it. So I went and did his driveway as well a couple times that day. But there's just something in me that didn't want to have to depend on him. So as soon as I could, I went, and I went out and bought my own snowblower because I just didn't want to have to depend on him. And I think for some of us, that's how we tend to treat our relationship with God sometimes. And the reason why we don't need him that often is because we feel like, well, I've, just, I've got a pretty good handle on things on my own. And James talks about that in James 4. He says this. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life for you or a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, then we will go and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance, 
and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. See, I'm the person that James is talking to in James 4. But so often in my life, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on things. I can just go make it happen. I need a snowblower. I'm just going to go out and buy it. There's a challenge I'm facing. I can do it on my own. Anybody else relate to that in here? And I'm ashamed to admit how often in my life I just feel like I just don't really need God that much. So why would I pray? Why should I pray for my daily bread when I've got my pantry that is full? I've got the freezer in the kitchen stocked with food. I've got the fridge in the garage stocked with food. The savings account is looking good. We got the checkings going. The, investment, the investments are doing well. Why do I need to pray and ask God to provide my daily bread? I just don't feel like I need God that much. Anybody else relate to that? That it's not that we don't know how to pray. It's that if we just were being honest, we just don't really see that big of a need for praying or for God. When we talk about praying daily, it is choosing to refuse to do life on our own and choosing to begin to do life with God. And that's when prayer becomes such an important part of our lives. But for so many of us, what we do is we choose to do life on our own. And then what happens is the minute that something bad happens, when we can't do it on our own anymore, then that's when we turn to God. And we begin to live what I call a version of Christianity that is lifesaver Christianity. I'm just going to go about my day. God, I'm doing really well on my own. I can provide for myself. And then I finally feel like I hit a roadblock. Something bad happens. I'm drowning. God, would you save me? And we begin to pray more. We begin to go to church more. I've hit a financial roadblock. God, would you bail me out? And over and over again, we begin to live out this version of Christianity that is lifesaver Christianity. Where God becomes nothing more than a lifesaver for us. When that's never how he intended for us to live. And daily prayer teaches us to over and over again come back to him. Refuse to do life on our own. And begin to do life with God. Because he doesn't want to just rescue you. He wants a relationship with you. And so many of us were choosing to reject a relationship with our heavenly father. Settling for a lifesaver instead. So here, here's what we're going to do. Here's why it's so important why we're doing this series. As we're getting ready to kick off another school year, next week we're going to be kicking off our Underground Jesus series. It's going to be amazing, but here's what we want to do as a church this year. As we've been talking about the heart of God, it's to choose to refuse to do life on our own this coming school year and to begin to actually walk with God every single day. And we're going to give you a tool to do that. So here's what we're doing. We're kicking off a five days of prayer and fasting. Beginning August 1st, and to join that, you can just pull your phone out right now. Go ahead and pull that out, and then you can just text the word FAST to that number, 317-526-4520, and that'll get you signed up on that. And so this week, you're going to be getting a daily reminder in your phone to join us in praying every single day. You can choose to fast if that's a meal for you, if that's two meals for you, if it's social media, whatever it is that you're going to give up in your life to remind you of your daily need for God. 
and choose to refuse to do life on your own to begin to actually walk with God every single day. That's what we're going to commit to do. So I want to invite you to be a part of that and hopefully that this is something in your life that will help you to begin to depend on God and hopefully a change because here's the reality is that you cannot live the life that God has called you to live without depending on Him each and every day. You cannot live the life that God has called you to live without learning to depend on Him. And I, I just wonder for so many of us if we would actually begin to walk with God every single day how different our lives would look. I wonder how many bad decisions that we just went right into, could we maybe have spared ourselves the heartache and the pain that came from that? If we were actually living life with God every single day as we're facing decisions, going to Him in prayer, depending on Him, asking Him for wisdom, I just wonder how different our lives would look. I wonder how much joy some of us might experience in our lives if we would just learn to depend on God every single day. I wonder, I wonder how much peace we would have in our lives if we would just learn to pray daily, just those simple prayers that we're talking about. As I wake up in the morning, hey God, here's another day. Will you be with me today? Will you help me in that different conversation or meeting that I'm about to have today? Throughout the day, something happens. Hey God, would you, would you just give me wisdom right now? Choosing to refuse to do life on our own and saying, no, I've got a handle on this and saying, God, every single hour I need you to be a part of my life God God I, I don't want you to just rescue me God I want to do life with you and daily prayer teaches us to come back to God to depend on him over and over and over again so as we go into this next school year I just want to invite some of you to choose to say this is the year that for me personally in my life and that's me putting myself in that category as well because this is one of the things I struggle with I'm a get it done kind of guy I can just go take on projects whatever it is and what I'm choosing to say is that I'm going to choose to throw away the lifesaver no more am I gonna just go to God when things get really bad God if you get me through this then but I'm going to choose to depend on him every single day will you pray with me I want to offer you the opportunity right now as James says that when we choose to live life apart from God and we choose to say I've got this that if you know the right thing to do to you it is a sin and maybe some of us are choosing to live life on our own right now and if that's you in the room myself included in that I just want to encourage you to repent of that today if you want to do that just raise a hand and say yes that's me I too often live life on my own and today I'm choosing to live life with God if that's you will you raise a hand right now if that's you in the room put your hands down and then for some of you in here you don't even have a relationship with Jesus that the only time that you've come to God has only been when things have been going really horribly in your life you got yourself in a mess so then I'm going to try to go to church more I'm going to try to actually read my Bible I'm going to try to pray a little bit and for you your relationship with God is nothing more than a rescue mission and God actually wants a relationship with you today I want to invite you in this moment to choose to say, I'm going to throw away the lifesaver. No longer am I going to just turn to God when things are bad, but I actually want a relationship with Jesus today 
where I want him to be a part of my life each and every day. I want to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you in the room right now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Will you go ahead and raise a hand right now if that's you and you want a relationship with Jesus today? Will you raise a hand right now? He loves you. He desires a relationship with you. Raise a hand if that's you. Yes, in the back. I see you over there. Two hands. Anybody else in here? So raise a hand right where you are if that's you. Yes, in the back. I see you, my man. You can put your hand down. And then if you raise the hand, you can just pray something like this with me. God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for pursuing me. And God, I thank you for calling me into a relationship with you. And today, I choose to throw away the lifesaver. And God, I choose to embrace a relationship with you. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And God, I pray that you would help me to live my life for you from this day forward. Let me pray over you right now. Father, we as a church are coming before you in this moment. We are choosing to get rid of the lifesaver and we're choosing to embrace a life with you, to do relationship with you. Father, would you help us in this next coming year? For every single person in here that prayed a commitment and surrendered their life to you, God, would you come into their life? Would you make them new? Would you help them to overcome any hurts and habits and uh, hang-ups in their lives? Would you help them to live for you? God, we thank you so much for loving us and we just praise you in this moment. And all God's people said, amen.